come now to our reading of God's Word, which comes from Matthew chapter 19, starting from verse 16, and you'll find that if you're using one of the church Bibles on page 987. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept. The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, we'll be looking at this uh, account. It's uh, in that chapter from verse 16 onwards. We are um, continuing in a series of uh, questions for Jesus, which we've been following uh, over these last few weeks. And today we come to the question uh, that the disciples asked Jesus, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? This uh, passage in the NIV, anyway, is headed the rich young man. I don't know if that makes you immediately switch off and say, well, I'm not a rich young man, so this has not got anything to say to me. Um, I don't know how many you score on that count, if you, uh, whether you're rich or young or a man. Um, this, uh, I won't ask how many of you score three out of three on that one. Maybe how many of you score zero on, on that? Uh, well, <laughs> Maybe, maybe there's a few. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you're a rich old man here today, or a rich young woman, 
or uh, a young man who's not yet rich but planning, planning in that direction. Well, anyway, what, whatever your situation is, don't switch off at this point thinking, well, uh, this has not got anything to say to me. Poor, uh, this poor man in this story was told to go and sell everything he has, uh, but that's not, that's not what Jesus is saying to me. Well, okay, maybe not, but I do think Jesus has got something to say to each of us uh, this morning, so don't uh, switch off. Um, maybe you're, you're a self-sufficient person like this young man was. Maybe you're, you're well integrated. You've got it all together uh, like he has. Uh, a respected person. Maybe you're not sure this morning if you've done enough to please God. That was this man's problem. Well, okay, listen on and see what God uh, has to say to you because we want to sort of dig into this account of this uh, rich young man, a man who had it, uh, had it all together. But at the end of the day, he went away sad. It's a really remarkable thing, isn't it? Here's a young man uh, who's uh, well off, seems to be socially interactive. He's certainly very religious, very devout, very pious, maybe a family man, we don't know. And people would look at him and say, oh, what a fine young man this is. God's really blessed him. Look look how God has blessed him with his possessions uh, and... uh, He's a really good man. He really is a good man. That's what people would have said about this young person. Uh, They would have thought, well, he's really got it made. He's not got anything to worry about. And yet, this young man came to Jesus and he went away sad. That's something that we really need to to look at. And what we've been seeing, too, uh, as part of this series, is that that Jesus really challenges uh, conventional thinking, the way we think about things. Um... What Jesus saw in in this young man was not uh, what other people saw in him. He saw that this man had uh, needs, perhaps below the surface, that uh, needed to be prized out, needed to be dug out, needed to be uh, looked at. And what Jesus saw in this young man was not what other people saw. And when this man came to Jesus, he sort of revealed uh, what, his, what his mindset was, the way he thought about things. He says, what good thing must I do? What good thing must I do uh, to inherit uh, eternal life? What good thing must I do to get eternal life? And Jesus immediately sort of parries this with, with another question. He doesn't just say to him, oh, well, you're fine, keep up the good work, carry on the way you're doing, uh, and I'll see you in six months' time, or something like that. He, he gets below the surface, and, and he actually parries this young man's question with another question, which is good uh, rabbinical uh, practice. Uh, you're asked a question, you think of another question that's going to um, put it back in the other person's uh, court. He tries to tease out this man's uh, motivation. He effectively says, wait a moment, wait a moment. Let's think, what are you doing here? What, 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 what are you really getting at? Why do you come to me about what's good? Why do you come to me? Why are you coming to me, Jesus, about what is good? What do you really want? What do you mean by good? Where does God come into all of this? And he says, uh, there's only one who is good, and that's God. If you're talking about being good, then you need to bring God into it. You've come to me. Okay, that's good. And so Jesus pushes us beyond our comfort zone, in a sense, he, he takes us as we are. He's happy to take us as we are, but he's going to push us into uncomfortable areas. 
And Jesus uh, pushes us out. This was a man, as we shall see, he was a man who liked to tick, tick boxes, if you like. He was one who liked to uh, say, okay, I've done that, done that, done that. Uh, and Jesus wanted to push him to see, to look outside the box, to look at things differently. And so we might ask ourselves the question, yeah, why, why, do, we, why do we come to church? Why, do we, why have you come to Jesus? Why have you uh, wanted to, um, to come uh, this morning? Jesus says really effectively, what, what do you see in me? And Jesus is, is pushing him, pushing this young man to think and look at things differently, even to sort of question the basis of his self-confidence. Why, why do you come to me? I think that's, that can be true for, for all of us. We can sort of get, get trapped in, in the kind of expectations people have of us. We get into a situation where uh, we want to do what, uh, what people expect us to do. And we like to sort of move forward well within our comfort zone, where we've got control of things, things that we can handle, things that we know we can cope with, uh, and uh, everything's nicely planned and under control. And Jesus really pushes us beyond that. So Jesus says, really, as he says to this young man, he says to each of us, well, wh- why do you come to me? Why do you come to Jesus? Why do you come to church? Why do you like to be part of the fellowship of, of God's uh, people? Are, are you just perhaps ticking another box on the good citizen list? This is something that I'm expected to do. Or is there something deeper, perhaps, like there was for this young man, something deeper that needs to get sorted out, something there below the surface that Jesus needs to come to you and prize it out? Yes, Jesus will take you as you come to him, but he will push you into uncomfortable areas, into areas that challenge your thinking. So, how does Jesus lead this young man on? He starts from the man's question, what good thing must I do? And Jesus says, well, obey God. God is the one who sets the standard of goodness. He's he's the one to whom we must uh, relate anything about goodness or being good. So, obey God. Keep the commandments. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. And the man says, well, which ones? And uh, Jesus lists off, um, I think it's six uh, commandments here. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honour your father and mother, love your neighbour as yourself. And you can just imagine as this man, this young man is, is listening to Jesus, uh, listing these things. He said, done that one, got that one, yes that one, and that one. Six out of six, I'm there, I've done it. You can just sort of imagine him thinking, thinking it through as Jesus lists off these commandments. All ones, incidentally, that, that relate sort of to relationship within the community. Nothing actually about relationship to God himself, but relationships within family, within community, uh, social relationships. And the man says, all of these uh, have I kept. All of these I have kept. I tick all the boxes. After all, I'm a good person, aren't I? But then the question comes, 
is that enough? For all his goodness, this young man seems to realize that even that is not enough. He wants to be sure that he actually can gain acceptance with God. And for all his goodness, this rich young man seems to realize that he's not, uh, he's not perfect. And he wants to move up a stage. What do I still lack? What more must I do? He's still on this mindset of, what must I do? What must I do? What must I do? There must be more to it. He realizes that for all his goodness, there's something more that's needed. And here really is sort of the, the, the crux of the matter, the turning point of, of, of the matter. Here's, here's a point at which he perhaps could have realized his helplessness and made a change of approach, but somehow he's still tied in to this sort of ticking-the-box mentality. And that's actually very easy for all of us to do, isn't it? Um, it's actually much easier to sort of reduce our relationship to God to a set of do's and don'ts that we can tick off and say, well, yes, I come to church, I go to the prayer meeting, I do this, I do that, I think I'm doing okay. And fail to see that it's the, the, the relationship that is the important thing rather than ticking off the list of boxes that make us feel good. It's very commendable. This man wants to move on. He wants to go a stage further. He wants to move up to the, the next level. It's almost as if he's, sort of, he's completed level two and he wants to go up to level three and maybe then level four. He wants to, to, uh, to do better. He realizes he needs to go let, do better. He's got a perfect score on the commandments that Jesus has given him up to this point. What next? And Jesus effectively continues sort of to challenge him on, on his own ground, leads him on, uh, on his own ground, further along the path that he's chosen. Because I think Jesus wanted to show this young man that if you carry on in this sort of, um, what can I do, what can I do, what more can I do, what do I lack, what more can I do, how can I be perfect? He wants to lead this man on to see that ultimately that's going to reach a dead end. It's going to come to a cul-de-sac. It's not going to get him where he wants to go. There's no, there's no way through that way. And again, I think that's true for all of us. It, for this young man, it was, it was his riches that were a blockage. It was his riches that Jesus wanted to lead him on to see that's something that's getting in the way. But for all of us, it's going to be something if we take that approach. So Jesus says to him, okay, well, if you really want to know what you must do... Uh, Try this one. Go sell all that you have. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. Do that and you'll be a valued member of the community. You'll be a model citizen. But the important thing really of, of what Jesus is leading him into there is then come follow me. That's, that's the crucial bit, isn't it? Anything that stops us getting to that point of then coming and following Jesus is a blockage that Jesus wants to show. We can, however hard we try, sooner or later we're going to reach that dead end if 
we're trying to do it ourselves. And as I said, the, the terrible thing here is this, this wonderful, uh, well-integrated young man goes away sad. And that's really strange. In fact, that's really shocking. And it was, it was shocking to the disciples. The disciples were shocked. Hey, here's this, uh, this, this young man who's well-respected, well-off. God's obviously blessed him. He seems to be doing well. And you've turned him away. He's gone away sad. Because finally, when it came to the crunch, there was one box that he couldn't tick. There was one step that he couldn't take. And because he was trying to do it himself, he went away sad. And Jesus goes on to answer their question. Um, Well, he he goes on to say, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I tell you it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, there are various uh, explanations as to what Jesus was referring to when he was talking about the camel and the eye of the needle. I, I think probably he was just using an expression uh, to say, you know, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. Um, it's impossible. You can't do it. He was, he was taking a crazy picture to say, uh, you know, this is something that just can't be done. He wanted to emphasise how difficult it was. Now, there are explanations that say, uh, well, maybe, the, um, you know, there was a camel, a heavily loaded camel passing by, at the time, maybe there was. Um, another explanation that goes along with that is that uh, within that he was by the city walls of Jerusalem and that as well as the, the, the big main entrance gates, uh, there was also a, a narrow little gate uh, maybe used on the Sabbath when the main gates were closed that just people could go through but you couldn't take trading and goods through it. And this little gate was called the Eye of the Needle or the needle gate, or something, and so he's saying, you know, it's impossible to get a a loaded camel through this narrow little needle uh, gate in the wall. Well, there doesn't seem to be any evidence for that. I mean, it's a wonderful explanation, and it's sort of, uh, it's a a nice picture, but there really doesn't seem to be any evidence that 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 was so. I think he was just using, you know, uh, maybe it was an expression in in vogue at the time, uh, a camel through the eye of a needle, as I say. We have the saying, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. Um, but anyway, for whatever reason, he was really just trying to emphasize that it can't be done. And uh, that's really what, what leads us then to the, the disciples' question. Tempted to say at this point, sort of all that by way of introduction. And now that this is, uh, but we actually come now to the question who then can be saved? And Jesus gives, uh, gives two answers. Nobody, he says, with man it is impossible. Or anybody, with God, all things are possible. And uh, it depends on your starting point. For us to do it, it's impossible. But for God to do it, then it's more than possible. It's, It's wonderfully provided for. And we have to start with God. This young man was starting in the wrong place. And so... He was starting with himself. What good thing can I do? What can I do? How can I manage it? What more can I do? How can I be perfect? And Jesus had to show him that led to a a, a dead end, a cul-de-sac. And he goes away sad. 
And the question this morning is, will, will you go away sad like this young man? Tragic, but possible. Some, some people come to church, they like, I don't know, they like, like the fellowship, uh, like being part of something that's, that's going on, they feel good. They see something in Jesus like this young man saw in Jesus, something special, something different, but stop short of commitment because they say, well, I, I could never keep it up. I can't commit myself because I don't want to start off on something that I know I couldn't keep up. But no one can keep it up. None of us can keep it up. None of us can even get started on the basis of looking within ourselves to see what resources we have within ourselves. Whatever sticking sticking point may turn out to be, it, it will result in failure if the starting point is with ourselves. But if we start with God, then all things are wonderfully possible. We read, don't we, in the scriptures, whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Anybody can come to God if their starting point is with him and seeing what he has done through Jesus. Because Jesus sent his son, because God sent his son, Jesus, to seek and to save those who are lost. Not those who have got it all together, but those who genuinely know that they need help. And that has to be our starting point. And not just our starting point, but our our going on point as well. Continually, we need to come back to see that it's in Jesus that we have the resources that we need and not in ourselves. Think of all the people that came to Jesus and went away happy. Lots and lots of them. Think of Zacchaeus who climbed a tree, so what? So that he could see Jesus. He He wanted a relationship, he wanted to see Jesus. Think of blind Bartimaeus by the roadside uh, calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Their starting point was, was Jesus, not themselves. And if we want to go away happy coming to Jesus, then God needs to be our starting point. And uh, not uh, a, a tick box mentality that says, well, how far have I got? Done this, done that, done that. What's the next stage? But rather seeing our helplessness before God. I'll just uh, close by, by looking at these, these last few verses because if we start with God, then yes, okay, it, it, uh, it does mean turning our back on, on some things. Things maybe we've depended on for our security. Not necessarily riches like this young man, uh, but maybe... Coming to God, coming to Jesus means perhaps losing some friends, maybe losing some respect, maybe even family that doesn't understand what we're doing. And Peter expresses his concern to Jesus and says, uh, but we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And I think essentially Jesus reassures him here that while the losses are real, they in no way compare with the gains that come from that. God is nobody's debtor. And whatever we may give up in order to come to God, in order to throw ourselves on his mercy, uh, he is more than going to make up for us. Uh, A quotation that uh, you may be familiar with, or it may ring a bell, is, "He he is no fool, who parts with that which he cannot keep when he's sure to be recompensed with that which he cannot lose. 
which actually is a quote from Philip Henry in, 1630, in the 17th century anyway, um, but probably we're more familiar with it from uh, a, a quote from Jim Elliott's uh, journal in 1949 or thereabouts before uh, he was uh, actually martyred uh, with four others uh, in, in Ecuador as he went as a, a missionary to reach the, what were then known as the Alca people in Ecuador. His wording was, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. And I hope you're willing to be amongst those people who know that even though we may leave certain things behind, um, as, as we sang, um, what did we sing? All I once held dear and built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought gain I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. God is no, one debtor, no one's debtor, both in, in this world and more so in the world to come. With Jesus, he freely gives us all that we need in order to live a godly life. So there, Jesus is our starting point. Always, right the way through, we need to come back to Jesus. And then we know that whosoever will may be saved. And as we come in a moment to the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, that really is to remind us of that, isn't it? It's to say Jesus is our starting point and our finishing point, our point right the way through, the author and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith. Our faith from beginning to end depends on Jesus. And the table that's spread before us, the communion, is, is a reminder that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are, are possible. And I pray that as we meet around his table, that will bring our focus onto God's wonderful grace and knowing that it's not in ourselves, but in him, that we have hope and have forgiveness. And we can go away happy and not sad, because we're not looking in ourselves, but we're looking to Jesus. I pray that that may be so.